Time for us to begin our midday program here on a Friday. That's our favorite show, by the way. Thank you so much for joining us. Got in here with you one more time. We got Jason Jorgensen in here, and we also have Shaley Peters live via. I'm going to say satellite, but it's really just. Well, you know, are you on? Are you on your cell phone? I am on a good old-fashioned desk phone. Okay, well, I can't say live via satellite. Maybe there's a satellite involved somewhere in there, but... Um, oh, I'm sure there is. Somebody's probably. probably listening to us right now. <laughs> well, I hope somebody's listening to us. That's kind of the point well, of this Well, you job. know what I mean. <laughs> what, do you got, what do you got for us today, Shaley? Well, it is Friday, which is uh, always fun for the farm team, especially this time of year. Of course, every Friday at twelve nineteen, I get to visit with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher, find out if uh, this good harvest weather is going to continue or not, or not for our guys. And then at 12.45, I think this is a really fun story, Rebel Seclocha is on with Jerry Sims. He's also known as the Happy Toy Maker, hmm. and he talks about uh, his heavy-duty farm toys for kids, farm and ranch kids. So um, kind of an interesting, like I said, story there at 1245. And then, of course, it's Friday, so Fridays in the field is back, and we are in northeast Nebraska today with Mr. Moyer as uh, his grower, like so many others, uh, is blazing through harvest and find out a little bit more from him. So. Wow, lots of stuff going on. You can pick up some of those toys for the kids while you're listening to I pro- this. We probably have some, I and I didn't even do. realize I it. Those do. children have more toys than they <laughs> know what to do with. Well, thank you, Shaley. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks. You too. Let's turn it over to Jason Jorgensen. Big uh, big games going on uh, in all kinds of sports right now. Yeah, there was some football last night. There's football tonight. You have state softball wrapping up today. Uh, all of the classes held state cross country yesterday. Oh, that's right. State tennis wraps up today in Omaha and Lincoln. Uh, there was some big conference volleyball tournaments last night. Two of the better teams around here in their respective classes, Bertrand and Overton, met up in Pleasanton for a four straight year. Uh, they have themselves an FKC tournament championship. That's impressive because that's that's a pretty decent small yeah. school league when it, it comes to volleyball. And to do that four times in a row is says a lot about Pleasanton. And and hardly almost not being challenged. I mean they're just they're just so good. In and out what is, are we up to what 45 47, 47 straight seven matches six. they've won against conference teams and this year they've dropped one set to the <laughs> mighty Grand Island Central Catholic. Oh my oh my goodness. That's the only team that's even nicked them. That's impressive. So it was fun to watch. If you missed the broadcast last night, you can find that on our podcast page at krvn.com. More football tonight here on 880-KRVN. A game that when the season started, we thought it might decide the district title, but it kind of hasn't worked out that way. Elm Creek's had a nice season. Bertrand has struggled a little bit. We'll have that game for you tonight here on 880-KRVN. And Nick Saban says he wants to coach tomorrow, even with COVID. I don't know if they'll let him call the shots from home or not, but Mm. anyone could figure out a way to do it. Be Nick Saban. And just saw up there, too, Le'Veon Bell joined the Chiefs. Yeah, and some people scratching their heads wondering why they make that move. I don't get that at all. Maybe they felt they needed a malcontent. (laughs) Everybody needs a thug, right? All right, thank you very much, Jason. I appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. Stocks are up right now. Stocks rising and trading on Wall Street, putting the market on track to end a choppy week of trading slightly higher. We're watching that with, uh, well, watchful eyes. All right, very good. 
Important to push a button there. Scott Foster here with you. It is 1144 in the Central Time Zone. i got Paul Perkins in here as we talk about weather a little bit and how it's affecting agriculture all for us and around the world and uh, lots of things going on. But I, I wanted to mention four cold fronts maybe coming through in the next week and a half yes uh, enjoy today and tomorrow because after that uh, it really goes downhill and we're headed towards a colder than normal pattern that looks to stick around pretty much through the end of the month oh wow yeah and with that it looks like the bulk of any precipitation will stay to our north but we could see some little skiffs of rain and snow so if you're trying to get harvest and you may want to put the pedal to the metal over the next few days here for sure for sure be careful exactly and we did have some temperatures last night that did get down to close to freezing a few locations did hit that freezing marker just below that but a lot of locations staying just above freezing we did hit the freezing mark in grand island and hastings it did get down to 30 last night in lexington 32 at north platte or make that 29 was the overnight low in the north platte area the state low in nebraska last night it did get down to 20 at sydney Oh, my. Yeah, so uh, the cold air is starting to encroach. It just didn't get as cold as a lot of locations were expecting last night. Right now, it is uh, a little bit on the cool side. Temperatures in the upper 40s to the low 50s. We do have some clouds on a patchy basis over much of central and eastern areas of Nebraska and Kansas, but expecting overall sunshine to take hold for today. Temperatures slightly cooler than normal as a warm front edge is even closer. Some dry air and southwest winds that could be breezy at times will help to increase the fire danger to near critical levels today, but no red flag warnings in effect. Our overnight lows tonight expected to stay region-wide above freezing. With that warm front tracking to the east, tomorrow will be our warmest day of the next seven with seasonal to slightly above normal temperatures. Once again, enjoy it for today and tomorrow because after that, it turns colder and looks to stay cool for quite a while. A strong cold front for late tomorrow will turn our winds to the north and usher in some small chances of light rain and snow for tomorrow night. Yes, I said snow in that forecast. And Scott Foster already shivering over there. Yeah, yeah I heard it. I heard it. <laughs> a dusting of snow could occur along and north of I-80, so don't be surprised when you wake up Sunday morning for a little white stuff here and there. A half inch of wet snow is possible from Ord into northern Nebraska. Another slight chance of snow in the forecast on Sunday. Now, past Monday, better chances for rain and snow likely to be across the Dakotas. Daytime highs behind tomorrow's front will be as low as 20 degrees below normal on Sunday. That colder air also results in a freeze to a hard freeze for each night tomorrow night through tuesday night get those things uh, covered up uh, those plants covered up if you want to try and save them but it's not looking too good in the long term and also make sure you get those garden hoses uh, unhooked Temperatures expected to stay cooler than normal for at least the next week and a half. And as Scott mentioned, a total of four cold fronts expected to drop south through our region over the next 10 days. Now, the latest long-term forecast continues those trends of below normal temperatures through October 29th. During late October, for reference, the average central Nebraska daytime high cools from the low 60s to the upper 50s and average overnight lows drop from the mid 30s to the low 30s and something to watch if you need to wrap up harvest above normal precipitation looks to be very likely the mid to late part of next week for nebraska and kansas next weekend through the 29th the outlook trending back near normal precipitation the national weather service released its winter outlook 
This winter, overall temperatures in Nebraska and northeast Kansas likely to be seasonal or near normal. So nothing okay. too far out of the norm as far as temperatures are go. It won't be an overly cold winter. The rest of Kansas, though, expected to see warmer than normal winter temperatures. Once again, Nebraska and northeast Kansas near seasonal or near normal. The rest of Kansas warmer than normal this winter. For precipitation, Nebraska and much of Kansas forecast to see near normal precipitation this winter the exception over southwest kansas where the winter is likely to be drier than usual a la nina effect keeps a lot of the colder air to our north and the main storm track to our south now weather factors driving the markets include continued chances for rain in central brazil and late arriving rain in wheat regions of russia for the eastern midwest moderate to locally heavy rain in the next week will cause some disruption to the harvest Western Midwest areas, though, expect lighter amounts. The northern plains will be colder with periods of snow through the weekend, but no extensive harvest disruption is expected. Southern plains crop areas expect very dry weather through the next week. Winter wheat likely to go into dormancy with drought conditions. Russian wheat areas expect moderate to locally heavy rain about 10 days from now. Despite that being the heaviest expected rain so far this season, the wheat crop benefit in Russia expected to be minimal thanks to the South Russia having their lowest rain total in the past 30 years. Central Brazil's rain chances forecast to improve the next 10 days. Moderate to locally heavy rain in Mato Grosso will increase the soybean planting after it was off to its slowest pace in 10 years. Brazil's new crop soybean availability to the world market already later than a year ago. Okay, well, you gave us a whole lot of information there. Yes. I'm not sure how to unpack all of that, but... Uh, Overall cooler. Uh, yeah, much. It sounds like in 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 interesting that uh, precipitation we may start to see some come in here. Looks like huh? yeah, exactly a little bit of off and on stuff, uh, especially in the next couple of nights and maybe in the middle part of next week. Something to watch the mid to late part of next week. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you. Appreciate it, Paul. And uh, where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather page krvn.com. <laughs> again this week that we get to visit with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher. I'm Shaylee Peters, back with you on the Rural Radio Network. And Al, the nice, drier weather, at least for our harvesters, has continued over the past week. It has been a little too dry, I think, for some of our, our winter wheat guys as they continue to try and get that crop planted. But uh, for our harvesters, it's been really decent weather uh, so they can continue getting those crops out of the field. Will that continue as we head into this weekend and next week? Well, Shaley, we definitely are going to turn toward the colder side over this next seven-day period, and the worst of it's going to probably come in as we go through this weekend. Right now, we've had this cold air that moved through, brought some freeze conditions to parts of the southern part of the state that haven't seen them so far. It's pretty much escaped so much out of the southeast at this point in time, but I think that comes to an end as we go into Monday. And the simple reason is we have a trough that is moving across the northern plains, deepening, bringing that cold air in. We're expecting in advance of this some warmer conditions to build into the region. So we're probably going to be about 5 to 7 degrees warmer today than we were yesterday, and in some instances maybe 10 degrees. And then we will see that warm air continue to flow northward overnight. That will keep our temperatures up into the mid-40s, most likely across the state but that trough will start working its way across the western Dakotas early in the morning and start to enter northwestern Nebraska, particularly as we get into tomorrow morning. And it really boils down to how quickly this trough moves through. If this trough comes through in the afternoon across the eastern half of the state as anticipated, we should see highs at least across southern parts of the area get up to the 70-degree mark before we drop off rapidly as that front approaches. 
the moisture associated with this front looks like it's going to be light at this point in time. That's based on the movement of the system, as I just suggested. If it slows down, there is some evidence, at least from the, the NAM model, that we would basically see some convective potential outbreak of snowfall in the northwestern corner of the state. I think that's a little, asking a little bit much, but overall, it does put, uh, the, the quantitative moisture output does point to a tenth to a quarter inch of moisture from the northwestern panhandle, east southeast ward toward east central Nebraska. That probably will shift a little bit, but unfortunately, it does not bring that moisture down to the southern panhandle and the southwest of any magnitude. So probably just trace amounts. So that's not going to be good news for the, for the wheat crop. But more importantly, this cold air will come in. We'll be lucky to see highs hit the 50-degree mark across southern Nebraska, and we'll probably be in the low to low 40s, upper 30s across northern Nebraska. We'll see a little bit of a moderation as we go into Monday and Tuesday, about 5 degrees each day. A couple waves, though, across uh, that move across these northern plains on the backside of this upper air trough, and that may impact northern Nebraska. So there'll be some chances for some lighter precipitation, and that will keep the temperatures held into the 40s, to low 50s until we get into at least Tuesday. Then we will see a gradual warm-up Wednesday and Thursday before another piece of energy tries to come down along the backside of this trough. And that brings some colder air into the region as we go through this weekend and into the early part of next week. And that's the one to watch for to see whether or not this cold air moves along the front side of the Rocky Mountains. And we are likely to see another snow event before we start to see a moderation of our temperatures going into the end of the month. The high pressure ridge looks like it's going to build back in. So from the GFS model standpoint, once we get through next weekend, we see a relaxation of this cold air that has been coming into our region. And then we're back into more Indian-like summer conditions. Okay, thanks, Al. It's Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Our own Jason Jorgensen is now stepping in. By the way, KRBN Sports this hour brought to you by Arrow Seed Company. Hey, thanks. Well, for a fourth straight year, Pleasanton won the FKC Volleyball Crown, downing Overton at three sets. Katie Lindner paced the Bulldogs with 13 kills, while Belle Pates had 12 and Chelsea Fisher chipped in with 10. The Bulldogs are now 25-0 and on the year, and head coach Shane Nordenby talks about some of the things they'll be focused on moving forward. Uh, doing the things that, that we know we need to do to, to be successful. Um, you know, we need to serve, we need to pass. The last two nights our serving has been maybe a little bit suspect. That's the one thing that, that we could probably say uh, we didn't do very well, but, you know, we did enough well to... to come out on top tonight. Overton was led by Haley Fleischman, who had 10 kills and three blocks. Overton's only two losses this year have been to Pleasanton. In the third place match, Amherst swept Elm Creek at three. Tenley Hadwiger had 14 kills for the Broncos, who now have won eight out of the last 10 matches to improve to 17-9 on the year. High school football tonight. Elm Creek will visit Bertrand. The Buffaloes have turned in another good year. They're six and one. And head coach Jace Doolin says it's been a nice fall. The one loss we had, we did we did a lot of uh, learning from that game, and it was uh, it definitely benefited our team. Um, we learned from our losses, and uh, we got a lot better after that game. Uh, and that's that's the nice thing uh, when you're you're in sports and everything. It is like this in football, especially. You always want to be uh, playing your best football down at the end of the season. 
Bertrand is 3-4 and four in the year and has dropped three in a row and could use a win to help its playoff chances. Kickoff is set for seven. We'll bring you the game tonight here on 880-KRVN. Former Husker Teron Liu has agreed to a five-year deal to become the next head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers. The 43-year-old was an assistant for the Clippers this past season. He replaces Doc Rivers. Of course, Liu helped guide the Cavs to the NBA title a couple of years back. Major League Baseball playoffs, Houston is still alive thanks to a late-game win over Tampa Bay. Game 6 of that series is set for later on tonight. And Atlanta can finish off the Dodgers as Atlanta leads that series three games to one. NSAA State Softball Tournament will wrap up today. Carney Catholic in Class C, they're undefeated so far in the tournament. They have moved into the championship round. The Stars will play again at 2. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. And it's time for Midday News. Ellen Simmons has now stepped in. And Ellen, I know your top story here is a, uh, a fire that happened with a, a semi from last night, or was it, or I guess, early this morning. Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you, they're still cleaning it up. I drove by. It was uh, a big fire. <laughs> apparently so, because it was mangled. It's in pieces. It just yeah. is outside of Lexington on I-80. If you're going east, you certainly can miss it. And they had every wrecker out there, and uh, they had... Massive, massive, uh, not trash cans, dumpsters out there. So really? I don't know what wow. was in it, and I'm sure you'll tell us here in a moment, but uh, they're still cleaning it up, by the way. Well, the, as Tyler said, a semi caught fire and burned at 425 a.m. Friday on eastbound Interstate 80, about four miles east of Lexington. The semi driver escaped the truck uninjured. No other vehicles were involved. The fire was extinguished, but shortly after, at 8 a.m., the patrol asked Lexington Volunteer Fire Department to bring a gas rig a grass rig, excuse me, to put out a grass fire developing under the burned semi, which apparently was still smoldering. No information was available on what caused the fire. The Nebraska Supreme Court has rejected a challenge to a payday lending measure on the November ballot. Supporters of the measure gathered enough signatures to place the proposal on the November 3rd ballot. However, a lawsuit argued that when circulators gathered petition signatures, they didn't read the initiative's full object statement to signers. A Lancaster County District Court judge dismissed the challenge in September. The Nebraska Supreme Court affirmed the district court decision If approved by voters, the measure would cap the annual interest rate on payday loans at 36%. Omaha police say the person shot Thursday evening was a 14-year-old boy. The shooting happened around 8.45 p.m. near 36 and Spalding. Police on Friday disclosed that the victim was a 14-year-old boy and he is hospitalized in serious condition. An investigation into the shooting continues. Troopers with the Nebraska State Patrol have apprehended a 17-year-old following a pursuit in Hamilton County early Thursday. At approximately 12.10 a.m. Thursday, a trooper clocked an eastbound Hyundai Genesis traveling at 111 miles per hour on Interstate 80 near Grand Island at mile marker 319. The trooper attempted a traffic stop and the Hyundai came to a stop on the shoulder. The Hyundai then moved forward and stopped multiple times before accelerating and fleeing the traffic stop. The trooper initiated a pursuit and the vehicle continued eastbound on Interstate 80, reaching speeds of 130 miles per hour. The vehicle then exited I-80 at mile marker 324 near Giltner and continued southbound on the 41B Spur. 
After approximately two miles, the vehicle voluntarily slowed to a stop and three passengers exited the vehicle. The vehicle then fled again, continuing southbound on 41B Spur. The trooper continued the pursuit while the three passengers were located by another trooper. A few minutes later, the vehicle came to a stop voluntarily and the trooper was able to immediately take the driver into custody. The driver, a 17-year-old male, was cited for felony flight to arrest to avoid arrest, willful, reckless driving, possession of drug paraphernalia, possession of marijuana, less than one ounce, no operator's license, no valid registration, and several traffic violations, as well as an active warrant from Adams County. The juvenile was turned over to probation. The other occupants in the vehicle, all juveniles, were cited for possession of marijuana, less than one ounce, and released to their parents. The entire pursuit lasted approximately seven minutes. Well, you can find more news at krvn.com. Thank you very much, Ellen. Many farm and ranch kids remember spending countless hours farming the carpet and tending to plastic cattle. I'm visiting with a man who makes every farm kid's wildest dreams come true. That's right, I'm visiting with Jerry Sims, also known as the Happy Toy Maker. Jerry, give us some background on what inspired you to start making these very realistic and heavy-duty toys for ag kids. Well, it kind of started when my boys were two and three years old. Uh, they're 23 and 26 now. Uh, so I'd been back in about 1999. Uh, they wanted a blue doctoring shoot for uh, Christmas. And we've got a starter yard here at our house, and nobody builds them. So I just got in the shop and made them a processing chute and a tub and a snake and everything and it seemed like they really liked it and played with it all the time so the next birthday shows up in april i had to have wheel corrals and barns and pickups and trailers and just everything that outside that they were wanting you know to play with inside and it just kept growing and growing and the neighbors wanted some things and then uh I guess in 2006, I started to sell to the public, and it is the first year was 47 things went out, and this year was a little over 4,000 things went out. There are so many different types of farm equipment. How many of those do you carry in toy form consistently? Well, yeah, we have, I think, 38 different toys, and then my wife makes the little animals that goes with them and out of rubber and she hand pours and hand paints them, and um, with her products and mine, I think there's 72 on the website. These are certainly not your run-of-the-mill toys in terms of size, materials, etc. Try to give us a visual explanation of what these toys are like. Well, it's they're all made out of metal. Um, I use 16-gauge coal-rolled sheet iron to make my trucks and pickups and trailers with, and we use a lot of 3-8 solid rod for our panels. So, you know, one panel's four and a half pounds. Um, but I make the gates work on them and the jacks work on the trailers. And uh, you can hook them up. I use a grease cert for my ball on my pickup. And then I use a grease gun coupler for the hitch so that it stays hooked up. And um, everything... I try to make it, it's a little bigger. It's probably about a 1 to 12 scale. Uh, my pickup, it'll weigh 18 pounds, and uh, a gooseneck trailer 
the small one is right at 20 pounds um but it it'll teach a kid a lot of things about hooking up and you know they've got cake boxes on my pickups and lots of different attachments like welders and horse racks and toolboxes and veterinarian beds and things that fit and it's uh everything is just kind of like the big version but it's small but it actually works these are certainly some heavy duty toys what are some of the advantages of these toys compared to run-of-the-mill plastic ones well these are going to be there for generations um you know once your kid outgrows them you can put them up and have them for their grandkids and great-grandkids and uh, you can put your names on them. I cut it in there with a computerized plasma torch and put the brands, you know, and paint them the colors that you want. And Not only can you buy these toys, but you can also personalize them. What are some of your favorite custom creations that you've made over the years? Oh, we I've made some tub grinders, and we're going to try to show some of them this year. And uh, It's just... Uh, I don't know, we've got hopper bottom grain trailers coming, and um, I mean, we make cattle trailers, uh, belly dumps that work. Um, you can load them up with dirt and spread the, the dirt out, you know, and um, we've got flatbed trailers and tilt trailers that, you know, things are, are going to function just like what the real ones are. You've been at this for a while. What's the most rewarding part for you? Oh, watching the kids play with them. You know, when they come to my booth and their eyes light up, you know, and <laughs> they just, they can see things that they're going to do, you know, and their imaginations are just going wild, you know, and as they're working cattle or moving things around or, you know, doing rodeo things and they're just, they're actually living the life in their mind and um you know they can it just makes it all worthwhile to me and when i get the pictures back from christmas or birthday parties and things well you know it's uh it's pretty cool well i know quite a few kids would love to have these under the tree come christmas once again, I'm visiting with Jerry Sims, also known as the Happy Toymaker. To find more information about the Happy Toymaker, you can visit thehappytoymaker.com or find them on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Rebel Seclota reporting on the Rural Radio Network. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are rising and trading on Wall Street, putting the market on track to end a choppy week of trading slightly higher. If the gains hold, the S&P 500 would mark its third straight weekly gain. Retailers and other companies that rely on spending by consumers are doing well after the government reported that retail sales rose in September for the fifth straight month, well above the rate that economists were expecting. Retail sales rose strongly in September as Americans spent more on clothing, cars, and sporting goods. The Commerce Department says retail sales jumped 1.9% last month, making it the fifth month of growth in a row. The increase was more than double what economists expected, and it's up from the six-tenths percent increase in August. Sales at clothing stores rose 11%, accounting for much of September's overall growth at auto dealerships and auto parts shops, 
Sales were up 3.6%. U.S. industrial production fell six-tenths percent in September, the weakest showing since spring, and a sign that the economy's recovery from the pandemic recession may be faltering. The Federal Reserve reports that industrial production suffered its first decline since a 12.7% drop in April during the spring lockdowns of businesses that paralyzed the economy. U.S. government officials are launching a new study testing three drugs to tamp down an overactive response by the immune system that can cause severe illness or death in people with COVID-19. The U.S. National Institutes of Health says the study will enroll 2,100 hospitalized adults with moderate to severe COVID-19 in the U.S. and Latin America. All will get the antiviral drug remdesivir, plus one of the three immune-modulating drugs, or a placebo. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Bergen. I'm Clay Patton inviting you to take a productive visit to KRVN Cattlemen. 100% beef-oriented, KRVN Cattlemen brings you expertise from across the plains in audio and video spotlights featuring industry innovators. Handy Nebraska, Kansas, and cattle resources, including the inventory, cattle on feed, and slaughter numbers you need. Plus, hay reports for five states. You'll find a complete directory of upcoming auctions and private treaty sales. Click on the link for KRVN Cattlemen on the right front column of the homepage at krvn.com. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time for another Fridays in the Field segment brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. We're back in North Bend, Nebraska, and we're visiting with Nick Emanuel about the harvest season so far. First of all, let's summarize the uh, soybean harvest. I understand it went pretty quick in this area, huh? Yes, hot and heavy and very quick. We got we finished up on October 1st, which was the earliest we've ever been done with soybeans. Got started earlier than we've ever done and obviously got uh, finished up. No breaks. We've only had one rain day so far, so otherwise it's been going every single day. Soybean yields uh, were the most variable we've ever had. High range from top to bottom. Overall farm average was really just very average and modest. Uh, irrigated yields still pulled through fairly well, uh, but we're still affected by that, you know, uh, extreme heat and dry weather we have. So now I would imagine that we're well underway with the corn harvest then, huh? Yes, like I said, only had only had one day of break so far, so corn harvest has progressed very well. We've just got about a few days left of corn harvest, so again, going to be done in, in record time for us. And corn uh, is performing better than than beans overall you know the dry land yields were tough but right where we expected they weren't terrible but they they were obviously lower and what's really pulled us through is irrigated corn yields have been exceptional some of our best yields ever in, in irrigated corn and and performing very well on, on that end so what are kind of the keys that you've been able to take away from 2020 so far uh, in the in the success or the uh, what did we learn from this year that you're going to take into years uh, years ahead um, I think a common thing is, you know, in, in years where there's exceptional stress, like what this heat and lack of moisture has shown, is uh, management is escalated. So uh, better management has really uh, shined through, and where the management maybe wasn't where we needed it to be, uh, it kind of exponentially decreased yield. So management's played a key factor. Um, as we talked about, water was key. Um, we talked a little bit about irrigation scheduling and timing before. 
and not only the frequency and the amount of overall irrigation applied, but timing really seemed to be uh, very important on both corn and soybeans, especially that last irrigation really uh, proved out to be helpful to get that final top end yield. Speaking of soil moisture, where do you think you sit right now? What, what sort of capacity do you have to capture any winter or spring moisture? One of the last uh, cornfields we were just in before this field, we, it was a, a farm that a few miles away, so we left the probe in there till the very end and we just kind of pulled it as we were going through the field and that was showing 45% capacity and that was even after the rain that the rain really didn't even recharge it that much that it is it's it's pretty much empty uh, very dry and it's going to take a lot of off-season rainfall or snow events to really recharge us going into 2021. All right Nick sounds great uh, just as we wrap up a uh, final thought uh, are, are you looking ahead to 2021 are you thinking about making any management changes as you look at the next crop year? You know you're always trying to improve and, and make changes year after year. For us, the big thing right now is, is getting prepared for uh, fall fertilizer and really tweaking our recommendations and analyzing where we can continue to balance out our soil nutrition and, and improve on those aspects. So, All right, very good. Well, with the speed of harvest, you're going to have plenty of time to do that then, right? It looks like it. <laughs> Could even use a little bit of moisture to help, <laughs> help the ground work up a little better, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Again, we've been visiting with Nick Emanuel from North Bend, Nebraska. He has been our Fridays in the Field segment from the northeast part of the state here this season and that'll be our uh, wrap-up program for this season uh, from this part of the state. Of course Fridays in the Field brought to you by FNBO the Great Big Small Bank. I'm Chad Moyer on the Rural Radio Network. on the World Radio Network. Now let's check in on the closing grain markets with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, as we come across here, Chicago wheat being a trooper, banking up gains here as we come into the settlements, can the wheat longs, though, stay by themselves when they see corn and soybeans starting to shift? Chicago wheat can. Chicago wheat's the one market I think that can stay high here. We, we have a very tight supply situation coming into this crop year. Um, we are going to see it alleviated, though. So this July, Chicago wheat is might be an interesting spread leg. You, I've got guys in Illinois that are planting wheat for the first time in years, decades, and they're they're going with uh, you know a few hundred acres here and there of, of, of winter wheat for the first time. And you know, given the price this year, uh, December above July, I think there's upside in that front month December wheat market. Outside of that, though, Kansas City, Minneapolis, you got to be careful here. There's pockets of air under the market in Europe, and as soon as that cash market turns, you know, if we fall, say, back to 220 per metric ton and we're up around 250 now, we're still above where we were a year ago, um, and you have supply, you know, there here in the U.S. delivery on the horizon. So I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous to be getting long any product up here outside of December wheat. Beans, I think, in the front month, there's a gamble there that you can take just because China continues to buy, and Brazil, you know, there's crop risk there, but on the wheat side, specifically corn, from month corn, in the KC wheat contracts, I'd be a little more sheepish to be, be longer. Now, as we look at that soybean complex, a week ago we saw it stall out around the 1080 mark following that WASDE report. Today it seems to stall out around 1070. Is there something to note there that it's backing off a dime week to week, or is this just more technical action? Because of the holiday last week, China found themselves with supply that wasn't used, so you know, the crush margin started to peak a little bit here in the near term. That's what, what at least is being talked about. I don't know if you can make the case. So, I mean, we, we traded we traded with a new high today and didn't close really off that high very much. We broke through 372.3. That was on the December contract. 
uh, traded all the way up to 375 and then closes down at 368. It started the week down at about 350, 355. So, meal is the market that probably could take off here. Um, but at this point in time, that's kind of a tough trade just given that, uh, you're not going to find a lot of news on meal. So, it's a definitely the leader in beans. You want to be along the bean complex, uh, at least until something would change with Chinese buying. That again, John Payne was Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You can find that newsletter and how to sign up for it for free at danielzagmarketing.com. Again, that's danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Catch John Payne again as a podcast at ruralradio.com. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll take care of this Friday edition of Midday. If you missed anything or want to go back and listen to any of our segments, you can listen to our Midday podcast, sponsored by Deveni Motors, available at krvn.com or on iTunes.